Lord, I thank you that you are a God with a big heart. Move ours today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I have a stand, please? Because um, I'm going to come up higher because I'm short and, you know, if I had a tree, I'd be Zacchaeus. <laughs> the tree. A ladder, close enough. What about the church? I, I want to start with a story. Sarah's um, kids' time was perfect. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Sarah's kids' time was perfect today because I was at an appointment this week. And have you ever found yourself in a new situation and you've just done something really awkward? <laughs> and so I was at this appointment and um, I walked in and introduced myself and I said hello, whatever. And they held their hand out. And so I put my hand in to shake their hand because, you know, that's what you do. And her hand was all limp. I'm going... Something's not right here. She said, oh, I was wanting your bag to put it over on the thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, it's my bag. Just one of those situations where you just feel really, really, really awkward. And, um, it, uh, you know, I just thought, oh, you idiot. Okay, let's move on. Um, but it, it gets me thinking that sometimes when we're in situations that where it's new and, and uncomfortable, we sometimes do things that are a bit awkward, don't we? I, I know I do. Is anyone else with me? They do things that are awkward. And that's okay. And so it's a good reminder for me because I have to remember that when people walk into this room, when people walk into our family store, when people meet us in the community, it can be awkward sometimes because they don't know how to act. When we do the hotels, people will swear in front of me, oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. It's okay. This is your this is your meeting place. I'm coming to you. I I, I don't get offended by swearing in a pub. That's fantastic. Um, honestly, do we want to get hung up about ridiculous things? No, not at all. So the church. When we talk about the church, people. In our world today, and, and maybe you had this thinking before, that when you talked about the church, you thought, oh, the church is boring. I'm going to go to sleep. You know, I have a rest there, and, you know, that's boring. That's some people's view of the church. Other people will think of the church, and I think it's all about buildings. Like we have all these buildings all around the world um, by different denominations. Some have a lot more than others, and people think that's what the church is. And it's kind of that, but not at all that at all. Uh, the church is more than that. It's, it's a bit like saying marriage is about a, a marriage certificate and a ring. That's not marriage, is it? That's the trappings of marriage. It's the, some of the things that we see for marriage, but that's not what marriage is. And it's the same with the church. The church is so much bigger and better and more life-changing than a building or a, a boring service on Sunday. So much more than that. You, you're going to be with me? Yes, cool. Okay. So I have some reasons today of why I love the church. And I'm hoping that these might resonate with you. Reasons I love the church. The first one is friends. We have friends. You've got a sheet on your seat um, with some gaps on it. You might want to write on it. Anything that God says, draw a picture, whatever's fine. I don't mind. I'm not marking them, so it's yours to keep. So grab a pen and grab one of the sheets that's nearby. And um, you can fill them in. The first uh, blank you've got there is friends. You didn't pick me, I didn't pick you, you may not even like me, and I may not even like you, but since God picked us and he likes us, we are family, so we need to treat each other as friends. We need to treat each other as friends. Jesus said in John 15, 15, I call you my friends. 
So we're called not just to be friends with Jesus. That's a great part of the deal. Friends with Jesus, salvation, but we're also called to be friends with each other. I'll tell you a little secret that we used to, um, secret strategy we used to do at the Salvos Discipleship School um, when we were running it. Um, every so often, because we're living in community, it was quite a few months that students would be together. Some were sharing rooms, um, so they had to get on. And if people didn't get on, it was really difficult sometimes. So our strategy was we'd put them together, the people that weren't getting on, we'd put them to do a job together. And usually it was something like cleaning or something. So they'd hate us because they're doing this job they didn't like and they didn't want to be that person, but they had a common enemy and that was us. And so they'd work together. Oh, you're realising it now, are you? (laughs) Yes. We would put together people quite often and they would turn out to be quite good friends because they'd get past that barrier and work together. So you should try that one day if you're interested. Doesn't matter what size the group is, but there's something that happens. And the word that's used, it's in the New Testament and it's koinonia. Koinonia means fellowship. It's a depth of relationship that cuts across all ages, ethnicity, background, culture, personality types. And this level of connection is so amazing. It's different from being a Facebook friend. It's better than that. Yeah, you have a million Facebook friends, but you don't actually have fellowship with them. So how do we practice koinonia? One is we encourage each other. We thank them, we endorse them. Uh, we notice them, we appreciate them. That's one way we can, one thing we can do, we can encourage. Admonish one another. Does anyone ever use admonish in a sentence normally? I don't either. So I looked it up just to be sure I knew what it meant. So here's all of our learning. Uh, admonishing is gently warning or advising earnestly. So we're telling someone else, hey, don't do that, dude. That's not going to work. Anyone been in an admonishing situation? Yeah? Did you listen? Yeah. It's important. It's important that we do it. Confess your sins to one another. Accountability is good. We like that. Forgive one another. So no holding grudges or being bitter. So forgive. um, Accept one another. Being different is okay and so are different opinions. Serve one another. Serving. Your ministry needs help? Of course I will help you. Build up one another. Be our cheer squad. Um, let's conspire for the success of other people. I love that. And be hospitable to one another. Have a coffee or a meal together. Now, I could have spent a whole sermon just on this koinonia. Really could have. Because it's so important. Because when we function together as family and friends, it will change the world. It really will. Psalm 119.63 said, I'm a friend to everyone who fears you, to anyone who obeys your orders. We need one another. We need our friends. Someone said this, there are two things you can't do alone. You can't get married alone and you can't be a Christian alone. Hmm. Okay, number two, I love that we're a family. Family is our second point. A church is not an organization that you join. It's a family that you belong to. God offers you a family of friends and friends who are family. That's his church. We're family. I love that. 
Ephesians 1.5 says his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. So more than family, we're friends. More than friends, we are family. Now, I can't say that I love God, but I don't like his children. It's just not possible. I I can't say I don't like the church because if God is my father, that makes every one of us brothers and sisters. So look around. They're your brothers and sisters. They're a bit weird. That's okay. You're a bit weird too. But we're all in it together. (laughs) That's right. We love you too, Wayne. (laughs) I love that you are perfect the third one is we're home we're home I love welcome home I love when people can walk in the doors they feel like they've come home I love that that's one of my most favorite things welcome home In the Old Testament, the physical temple was God's home, and that was the place of his presence. In the New Testament, it's not a physical building. It's the people. The people, we're home. We are home for people to come to to find Jesus. We are home. It doesn't mean that you need to be here to do that. You can be down at the family store. You can be at the shops. You can be at the beach. You're the home of God. It's beautiful. Paul talks about in Ephesians 2, he says, You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, sometimes people will walk into a church and they'll say, Wow, the presence is so amazing here. What an atmosphere. What are they sensing? They're sensing God. They're sensing God dwelling with us. That is amazing. And there's something amazing about coming home to be refreshed, to be reinvigorated, to be reorientated re-energized, revived. And church is designed to be a place where people are loved, accepted, and welcomed home. Now, uh, last weekend, um, what was really last year, Andrew got really annoyed with, he gets annoyed with Halloween, and yeah, you do, um, and all of the advertising and you know, all that kind of stuff about it. So last year, he said to me on the actual Halloween day, we should claim this back for something better. Let's have a meat pie day. Uh, all right. So this year, we started putting on Facebook a few weeks before uh, Halloween. I said, it's National Meat Pie Day <laughs> for Australians. And um, we had meat pies on Monday night, which was pretty exciting. And we found all these other people decided they had meat pies on Monday night too. Does anyone else want to admit they had meat pies on Monday night? Yeah, they are. There's a few. And they were sharing pictures with me of their meat pies that they were having on Monday night. And we're at home going, woohoo! There's another one. That's really exciting. And there's this great unity because we're together trying to reclaim back the, the date for something better than dressing up all, all ridiculous. And um, So we had our meat pies. And we were in unity because we wanted something better. And that's my fourth thing I love about the church is unity. We do have meat pies at Long Jetty. That's a pretty good thing, isn't it? But more important is the unity that we have. John 17, 21 says that, that all of them may be one in order that the world will believe. We need to be unified. 
So it's not just believing the same thing, it's being unified. Because a divided world demands a united church, otherwise they're going to pull us apart. If we show cracks, they're going to get right in there and pull it apart. And the world's looking for that. Unity is powerful. We are a great example of it. So how do we un- be unified? Now, I don't like it when I just read, you know, things like be holy. Well, how do you do that? Be unified. Well, how do you even do that? So, of course, I googled how do I be unified in a church. And there's a whole stack of lists on multiple sites of how to bring unity to a church. And do you know what it boils down to? All of those lists are slightly different. It comes down to one thing, be loving. Be loving. I'm going to be loving to you and to you and to you. So which means my actions and my reactions, my intentions, what I do and what I say is going to be loving. That's what unity is. That's how we be unified. I just need to be loving. It's not hard, is it? Well, sometimes. If they're a little bit of a wally. Are you giving yourself excuses? No, we can be unified. Now, unity doesn't mean uniformity. We don't have to be the same. There are different parts. The variety is great. And we want everyone to be different. Not like you have to be different, but you don't have to be all the same. We need logical thinkers. We need the emotional worshippers. We need the dynamic um, leaders. We need the people that are willing to serve in a following capacity. The visionaries who lead, the the studious people who ponder, the generous people who pay the bills. We need everyone. So you don't have to act a certain way to be in unity, in uniformity, but we need to just love Jesus and be loving to each other. And that's unity. Collectively, we inspire. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Each one of you is separate, but so necessary. When you're not here, the body's not complete. When we're not working together, we're missing something. We need each other. We're better together. Okay, fifth one, number five, the fifth thing I love about the church is more. The word more. Now imagine... We had a hospital on the coast and they only allowed people into the hospital that were healthy with nothing wrong with them. We'd be outraged, wouldn't we? You know, let the people in. Let the people in that have got cuts and broken bones and and heart attacks. Imagine if they're outside and no one would let them in. Hospitals are for the physically broken Churches are for everyone, including and especially the in every way broken people. In every way. We welcome the broken. We welcome the hurt and the wounded. We want to help people find healing. The unconditional love breaks down barriers. People can get back on their feet. People can find restoration and healing. Broken people come to churches and we want that. Not with broken bones, but broken hearts, broken homes, broken dreams, broken lives. And they limp in on fractured faith. And if the church operates as the church, they will find healing and wholeness in Jesus. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Coming in and being set free. 
chains will be broken. People will rise up out of the ashes. That's the church that I live for. Ephesians 4, uh, 12 talks about preparing God's holy people. That, that is all of us, okay? Um, their purpose, that's the leader's purpose, is to prepare God's people to serve and build up the body of Christ. You know, we, we might be, the Andrew might, might be the leaders, we might have a leadership team, but our job is to prepare everyone to be ministers in our community. You are all lead ministers. You all have a job to do. You have all a position. You have all got a mantle to carry to be the ministers in our world. Now, in this, this term, um, prepare, on Ephesians 4.12, in that verse, the word prepare is actually a medical term that Paul was using. And, and it means the, like the setting of a bone or... Um, or, or restoring the fallen, or, or mending the nets so that they work again properly, completing the unfinished. That's what the word prepare, the word prepare is not good enough, really, for what we've got. It means so much more. It means that God wants to make into wholeness, restore what was supposed to be there. And he wants to do that in each of your lives. He wants to restore you to what his purpose and plan is. So no matter today, if you've been saying, I can't do that, I've fallen too far. I've wasted my life. I'm broken and discouraged. God says, I want to prepare you. I want to heal and restore you for so much more. Some will touch and teach. Some will share good news. Some will speak words of truth. Visionaries will dream of even greater things. Some will administer. Some will pray. Some will lead. Some will follow. And all will help to heal the brokenness in our world. Because that's what the church does together. We make a difference. We'll make the body of Christ stronger. The more part of our heading, number five more, is that together we can hit heights that we would never have dreamed of by ourselves. And quite frankly, we couldn't do by ourselves. But we can do it together. We can do it together. We can do things we would never have dared because we have people believing in us and surrounding us. Yes, you can overcome addiction. Yes, you can get a permanent house. Yes, you can have a relationship with your family. Yes, you can get that job. Yes, you can live with integrity and honour. Yes, you can be free of the demons of your past. Why? Because we serve a God who is a God of more. He came to set the captive free. He's a God of transformation. He's the God who can do so much more than we ask or imagine. The world is, you know, limited, but God is limitless. He's so much more. And sometimes we get trapped in our own heads and we think, well, that's all there is for me. And God says, I've got so much more. Dream again. Dream again. That brokenness is only temporary because God wants to make you whole. Mother Teresa said, you can do what I cannot do. And I can do what you cannot do. And together we will do great things. God heals his family through his family. In the church, we use our gifts to love each other, honour one another, keep an eye on troublemakers and carry each other's burdens. It's true. We're a family. It's what we do. There's this place near Warburton. Anyone been out Warburton Way? It's outside of uh, Melbourne. 
and it's a, a redwood forest. We've got a picture of it. The guys will throw up. And, and this Californian redwood forest is full of these gigantic trees. They go 55 metres into the air, 55 metres up, all the way up there. It's a massive forest, got yeah, thousands of trees in it. And, and this forest has a root system that only goes about two metres down. Can you imagine that? 55 metres high and then the root system's this high. Two metres. It's almost inconceivable. And there's these giant trees and they stand, stay standing because their root system is intertwined with the tree next to them and the tree next to them and the tree next to them. They grow together. They rely on each other as they grow, especially during high winds and storms. They can't do life without one another. Now, there's different theories on, on how these trees are growing together. One research theory is the concept that the trees are interconnected underground. That they're, through their network of, of roots, they, set, they share resources. They actually share things along the roots. Trees in the growth area look out for the younger trees, providing them with extra nutrients. We can take that down, please. Especially if, if the canopy at the top is really, really thick, and it is. The young saplings still need the nutrients from the sun. They get that from the roots of the other trees. Photosynthesis and growth happens through the roots. They help fend off diseases within each other, and they send different elements of nutrients to certain trees when needed. And knitted together under the forest floor, they believe that the root systems are actually changing the composition of the earth. They're giving in. Sometimes, not any of us, people will come to church and enjoy the shade of the church. Enjoy the music, enjoy the morning tea, enjoy the relationship. They like benefits, but they don't want to set down any roots. God, yeah, he's good. Church, no. Don't want to miss out on any other opportunities. We want to keep our options open. And the problem with that is they already are missing out on the opportunities. Because when we, we, we invest in and we connect and intertwine with each other, that we receive all the benefits, the nutrients, the love, the care, the concern, everything comes through the same way. The redwood trees are known to grow slowly at first while the root system is establishing. And that may take, you know, six years or so. But once they're established, they grow really fast for their height. We love fast growth, don't we? I loved it when I was a new Christian because I would pray and God would answer it like that. I would read from my Bible and go, wow, that was just for me today. Now I would pray and I would have answers. I would have solutions. And, and after a while, it got a bit slower. And I'd be going, God, what am I doing wrong? And God's saying, I want you to come to me for the relationship, not for the answers. Not for what's in my hand, but for who I am. God is saying, I want you to mature and grow. It's not about what you can get. It's what 
the relationship that we can have with each other. Being in tune with God is more important than receiving stuff from him. And too often we go back to God like a vending machine. God, just do this, please. Too often we'll do that. He wants us to seek him out, to listen. Sometimes it gets hard and we don't make the shift from me to others. We want to stay with me. God, I want it to be about me. I want it to be about me. I want you to bless me. Give me a good life. Make my life easier, God. We need each other. Mature Christians need to hear the questions of the baby Christians. We need to hear it. The new Christians need the experience and stability of a mature Christian. We have to have the relationship together. That's so important. We hold hands. Someone in front holding on to me. Someone behind being pulled behind. I always have someone that's been on the journey longer than me. We all have someone that's been on the journey longer than me. We all have someone behind us that's not been on the journey as long as I have. And we all have a responsibility to keep this chain going, to invest in someone and be invested. Invest in someone, be invested in. It's so important. We need each other. That's the more part. Now, each of these points, these five points, family, friends, our unity, our home and more. They're all lovely, aren't they? Makes you feel good, don't they? Oh, I could get all, this, all of this out of church. Isn't it wonderful? You know, it's nice. Makes you feel good. I can be in a family. I can have friends. You know, I can be in unity. I can be at home. I can reach new and greater heights because of people supporting and giving to me. We love receiving and we love giving, don't we? We love breathing it in. And if that's how you're reading it today, I want to challenge you. Flip the tables. Flip the tables around. If you have received, now is the time to give. Now is the time to give. The headings aren't about me and what I can get. Paul said in Hebrews 10.24, I love this. This is the Passion Translation. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards active compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Oh, I love that so much. You could stick that on your mirror and it'd do you for a week. It's awesome. Our headings are what we as the church are to be for others. There are action words. How can I be family to others? How can I be family to others? How can I be a friend to that person? How can I do that? How can I welcome people here? How can I welcome people home into the kingdom? How can I do that? How can I bring unity How can I lift others up to become more than they ever dreamed of? How can I share Jesus? Can you read it like that today? That's the challenge. How can I do more for Jesus instead of just sitting and receiving? Because we've all become good at receiving. We all like that. It's it's nice. It's comfortable. It makes me feel good. But it's time to step up. It's time to flip the tables. Now, those trees, they're doing what trees are made to do. They're just growing and being trees. None of them are sitting back or having time out. How are we living our purpose as Christians? Have we done the thing that God asked us to do last? Or are we still telling God that it's not time 
and I'm not ready. Are we still telling that? Worship God. Worship together. See our community transformed in Jesus' name. That's what the church is all about. So that's our challenge today. Our second part is this. Thank you, Sarah. The second part today is this. Around the walls, you've watched the video of the persecuted church. That is our church. Okay, the persecuted church is our church. The people in Afghanistan, in Egypt, in North Korea, in Afghanistan, in Nigeria, in Iraq, they are the church. They are part of our church. Let's pray for them today. So if you want to take your phone and take a photo of some, some pages and, and sit down and read through them, we can stand and pray at them. We're going to move around. That's okay. Um, there's two up the back, Mexico and Egypt. And then there's India, Iraq, and Nigeria. North Korea, Afghanistan, and China. They're not all of them. There are a lot more countries than that. They're the ones that we're focusing on today. I encourage you to jump up. If you need to pray at the mercy seat, you're encouraged to do that today. If you want to commit more in your relationship with the church and, and the church body, you're welcome to do that. But I ask you to pray. I ask you to pray today for the church. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who today could be killed because of their faith. We are the church. We are the church. And there's millions of us around the world today. Let's be part of it as we respond together. The band's going to play. You're welcome to sing. But let's pray for people around the world. Jesus, I just want to... um, ask you to come now by your Holy Spirit, just rest on us. Open our eyes to see so much more of what you have for us, where you want us to be, how you want us to be. Jesus, I pray that you'll break our hearts for your church, your body, your people. And as we intercede, Lord, I pray that chains will be broken around the world and that people will be set free to live their faith in you in freedom and prosperity. Jesus, help us, I pray. In your name, amen.